Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. And you are listening to Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and affiliate networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media, where we monitor and engage thought leaders in the innovation space from ACOs to integrated delivery systems. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today, as always, is my trusted colleague and friend, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder here at Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hey, Greg. Glad to hear the and always part. That was a fantastic introduction there. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, well, we, we have slight <laughs> variation here, as you know, from week to week. <laughs> For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Countable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. And the... Uh, father of the Medicare annual wellness visit, which we still have to put a show together on, Fred. I think that the history there is rather fascinating. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management, the editorial board of Population Health News, and the Best Practices Review Panel for the Institute for Medicaid Innovations at Medicaid Health Plans of America. Fred is known on Twitter as at F.S. Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy guidance for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and PrecisionMedicine.Center. Do follow me on Twitter via at 2HealthGuru, and that is the number two. And now for today's guest, Bruno Nardone, Senior Vice President of Solutions for Population Health at NextGen Healthcare. NextGen Healthcare is a, quote, solutions provider on a relentless quest to improve the lives of those who practice medicine and those they care for, a healthcare solutions provider on a relentless quest to improve the lives who practice medicine. (laughs) Sorry, duplicating there. NextGen provides tailored solutions to fit the needs of ambulatory and specialty practices as they strive to reach the quadruple aim while navigating the journey of value-based care. Bruno Nardone joined NextGen Healthcare in October of 2016 to align the company's connected health, analytics, and care coordination offerings for population health. His career in healthcare and hospital administration spans more than 25 years in executive leadership and strategy consulting at leading health information technology solutions companies. Bruno leads solution strategy development for application programming interfaces and a range of next-gen health portfolio products by its population health management suite. During his career, Bruno has worked across industry stakeholder groups, leading high-performance teams focused on improving quality, efficiency, and economy in healthcare. He is an active fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives and serves on the boards of the New England chapter 
of the Health Information Management Systems Society and the Society for Participatory Medicine. Bruno earned a BA degree from Cornell University and an MA in Health Administration from the George Washington University. And with that background, over to you, Fred. Help us get to know Bruno and what he's up to at NextGen Healthcare. Thank you so much, Greg. And Bruno, welcome to Pop Health Week. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on and uh, really interesting. I thought today we'd, we'd delve into some interesting issues. Obviously, population health is is growing by leaps and bounds, and everyone's trying to put these systems in place. And You have all these vendors out there offering systems to clients, et cetera. So as you've been working in this field, what do you see as some of the critical issues that need to be looked at by within that vendor-client relationship to ensure that some of these population health initiatives actually become successful? Yeah, that's a great question, Fred, and I'm happy to kick it off with that. Um, one of the things that we really focus on here at NextGen, and it's something that I think in particular I'm grounded in firmly because of my background, not just in executive leadership for product companies, but also as a consultant in my background and as a as a manager or an administrator in a provider organization. I've worked at a hospital for many, many years. Um, and with that, one of the things that really uh, I think is critical to gaining success, because there are a lot of solutions out there, is really the optimizing of the relationship that providers have with their vendor uh, around population health solutions. So what does that mean? Um, in upfront, first and foremost, you should be very clear about what your expectations are from that vendor, uh, and they should be clear about what you're trying to achieve strategically from a programmatic basis uh, with regard to the types of new um, contracts or partnerships you're going into that are driving your decision to make an investment in population health. With that as a backdrop, then you know the expectation should be to regularly engage with across that vendor-client relationship um, and make sure that you keep current on what's going on, what's changing within your environment so that your vendor can appreciate what you're going through and really tune their solution to best meet your needs. Okay, and as as you're working through these processes, are there um, certain things that the um, vendor should be asking of their or the client, excuse me, should be asking of the vendor or of um, the staff, what should they be looking for in that kind of a group? Yeah, well, there are a couple things there. Right? First and foremost, um, you want to make sure that you know, your vendor is bringing to you the subject matter expertise that you'll need to be successful with whatever the strategic focus is for your project. Now, breaking that down a little further, you know, obviously there's a lot of great software out there, but uh, in practice, the way that software gets implemented really requires people to come into the client's organization, or at least virtually come into the client organization, and, I, and understand how their data is organized, how they plan to use the solution from a workflow perspective. And, the, and clients should be, being, be very careful to make sure that those are experienced people coming in to help them, people who understand uh, what uh, the nuances of quality reporting and what it means to really drive into the appropriate numerators and denominators that 
are required to uh, report out the success of the organization they're supporting. Uh, it might mean that uh, you're bringing data scientists into a realm where you're really trying to do more around quality improvement initiatives that require tweaking of standard algorithms to get to the answers that you're looking for, that have experience uh, managing data cleansing and data quality. Uh, you know, the reality of healthcare is that we manage messy data. Uh, and it doesn't mean that anyone's doing anything wrong per se, but there are a lot of different ways that healthcare data can be stored and codified in different systems. And whoever the vendor is that comes in to help you with your population health initiative, they need to have experience in understanding how to distill out the appropriate interpretation of that data to then be expressed in the reports, in the initiatives, in the performance management tools that you're going to be working with in order to meet contractual or programmatic obligations that are on the downstream side of why you engage them in the first place. So netting that all out, if you heard many times experienced healthcare people, uh, it's really the bottom line. Uh, you want to know that beyond the team that comes in and presents to your board or your decision committee, uh, that there are going to be really seasoned folks supporting how the tool gets implemented and maintained as you go forward in using it to support your organizational initiatives. Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit, and perhaps you could v validate this. It's sort of what I'm hearing, and I've seen this before when I look at uh, tech companies showing their latest and greatest stuff, is they typically have very strong people in tech. They may have very strong people in analytics or new algorithms or, you know, big data or the, but, but having the, the individuals within that group who actually have sort of been on the other side of it and understand process and workflow and, and the clinical side and running clinic, et cetera, I would assume is extremely important and something I've seen that tends to be missing. Yeah, I, I mean, we absolutely believe in that. It's something we subscribe to uh, in terms of our commitment to have mm -hmm. folks on our staff who have been clinicians in many cases, who have been clinicians and provider organizations working with healthcare data to support quality initiatives. Um, folks who really can appreciate what it means to evaluate performance of other clinicians, their peers, having gone through it themselves. So yeah, that, that direct and concrete uh, clinical experience, having walked in the shoes of the folks you're supporting, is something that you want to be looking for beyond, you know, beyond the sales engagement with the uh, vendors working with to make sure that those are the folks who you're going to then be engaged with when the relationship really goes to, um, you know, from sales prospect to client. Mm -hmm. I, I would assume another area that might be important um, is, you know, population health. When you put these programs in and you're trying to manage whether it's a group of diabetics or a population of primary care practice or, or others, these, these are programs that exist over a long period of time. And it may take a, an extended period of time before you've worked through all of the bugs, unlike, well, we turned on a billing system and suddenly we're exchanging ICD-10 and CPT codes between each other and we're good to go. So it's really also about maybe a longer term engagement. Yeah. Oh, that too, of course. You know, you're absolutely right. And, and you hit on some key aspects of this. Is, um, the, the environment with which we're doing, we're running the analytics to support population health are 
under normal circumstances, if there is such a thing in healthcare, uh, regularly changing, and in the current environment, changing even more rapidly. And so you know that you're going to be tweaking and tuning and maintaining the system over the length of a contract. It's not a, a set up and leave and set up and run type of relationship. And so you want to know that your vendor is prepared to hang around and work with you over time. And you should even look to um, identify governance rules, policies and procedures, roles and responsibilities up front that communicate to you as a client what you should expect from them longer term. With our clients, we know that you know once we kind of call completion done, that there's still a need for routine checkups where we're connecting with them and understanding are they getting what they want out of the program? Are there any questions that they have about how quality data is being communicated, either internally or to or within reports that they're sharing with business partners or other entities? Um, so, yeah, it's a long-term relationship. And when you're contemplating uh, your selection of a product, you should be thinking about, is this the vendor that I want to be working with long-term? Do they share the same values and expectations of what's going on in the industry, philosophies about how to use population health tools to really impact clinical outcomes or my practice's performance or health system's performance over the long haul? Um, when those things align, then the relationships really click and work great. Um, and, you know, it's, it, th those are the success stories that we all love to brag about, but they take an investment of energy on both sides of the coin. Um, you know, many times as a vendor, uh, we are trying to get <laughs> more deeper engagement from our clients, and because of what's going on within their organization, they may not have had the right expectation set. And I've been on the other side of the desk as well as a provider, knowing that if I'm not you know, actively engaged with my vendor, they're not going to understand what's unique about my organization that's critical to the success of how those tools get implemented and used long term. So like everything else in life, you could point to the success of the relationship, those foundational you know, chemistry aspects of what makes a good a relationship strong in the first place, the ability to build trust between each other uh, that really drives success. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, I was, I was wondering if perhaps you might be able to give the, you know, the audience maybe four or five things to look at. When you look at company websites, you know, for these vendors, they're all pretty similar. The pitches tend to be similar. You know, we've got the dashboards are similar. The so are there certain things that are just, automatically you could identify to say call groups out when you when you w first meet with them or look at their stuff yeah well sure and i don't want to say anything disparaging about our competition uh, right you know we believe we bring all those you know sort of organizational aspects into the relationship that i've been talking about but in terms of red flags that folks should be looking for is anything that resembles a magic bullet or a shortcut uh, should be an immediate red flag. I mean, there's an aspect to this where you want to know that the tools you're engaging with um, support automation and your workflow can be uh, configured to meet your individual and specific needs. But at the end of the day, there's an aspect of population health, successful implementation of population health tools that requires good old-fashioned roll-up-your-sleeves effort to dig into the data, 
really evaluate, are we getting everything we need from the appropriate sources? How is it coming in? Is, are the right data elements available across those data sources to support program goals? Have we gone through a mapping exercise where all the appropriate individuals have weighed in and we've agreed to what the 2B mapping needs to look like? And are we, do we have a process in place to then govern that going forward? Because we know that all of those touch points may shift in months or data sets are going to be, need to be revised periodically because we're getting into new types of contracts or entering into new programs. And so um, the, the investment of time from clients and vendors around that data management process is really critical. And uh, I always coach friends and, and clients that, you know, forget about who they pick, whoever they pick should not be glossing over what that effort is. You know, at the end of the day, you, of course, want to have confidence that the technology is robust, that the experienced people are there, and we talked about that a little bit already. But uh, you have to put the time in to get it right. Yeah, and as you've, as you've looked at some of these, are there some areas in, in um, population health or areas in the, in the data analytics uh, that you guys are are finding uh, exciting or beginning to move into? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, this is an area that is re really in its nascency for the market, right? People have been doing work in population health for a long time, but when it comes to the bread and butter American healthcare, if you would, and how people are using these tools, we're really just scratching the surface of what the capabilities are and what I'm you know, what we're seeing is that now as contract models are maturing and people are moving farther along that continuum toward value-based care uh, and taking additional risk from a financial standpoint and a clinical outcome standpoint into supporting their populations, the need for more robust capabilities are being talked about more. Folks are coming to us and saying, how could you help us dig into these areas a little bit deeper? Some of them that I'm really excited about include things like performance management, where you're not just reporting on quality metrics uh, for a basic standpoint, but really enabling the ability to drill into data and understand where disparities may come from uh, within your clinical team or across your organization so that for the same, what looks like the same group of cardiac patients being treated at a site on the west side of town versus the east side of town, you can understand why outcomes are different or why one cardiologist is receiving very different um, outcomes than another. Sometimes it's, you know, very legitimately based on the, the characteristics of the patients they're treating. Sometimes there are structural dynamics that need to be addressed to help them achieve the best outcomes possible. But knowing that you've got the tools in place to really drill into that is essential as clients move farther along in that value-based continuum or along the value-based care journey. And we recognize that people are entering this space in very different places. Uh, it, sometimes it's by region of the country where they're you know, still primarily fee-for-service and getting into pay-for-performance pay contracts. In other cases, people are moving into single-sided risk or dual-sided risk with bundled payments 
And more and more, we're starting to get into conversations about clients that are taking capitated contracts, either for discrete populations or for cohorts within a population where they're going at full risk for their outcomes. Now, having those robust performance management tools is essential to really being able to successfully manage those more complex contracts. So that's, uh, we're excited to see it, and we're excited to be a part of those uh, conversations, bring those tools to the market, and help those clients with success. Another area that is, I think, really exciting is what's happening around social determinants of health. And again, this is an area that we're just starting to really understand the power of bringing in data into our analytics tools and into uh, or making that data visible to care team members that goes beyond uh, what's in our clinical data sets. So outside of the EMR and the laboratory reports and the pres prescription data, really getting out and understanding what social and economic factors are in play for those patients that fall into diagnostic cohorts, but that we need to really slice and dice to understand what might be impacting their care. The studies have shown that 40% of health outcomes are driven by social and economic factors. And you can uh, look at a patient's zip code and have a good sense that they may be at higher or lower risk uh, for a particular procedure based just on where they live. But when we start folding in other things about closest family members and what their home situation is, whether or not they've got a vehicle uh, of their own or depend on public transportation to get places, it starts to put more color around the mosaic on what's going on with that patient that as we start to build into the algorithms that drive risk stratification and resource allocation to support those patients, now we've got something really, really exciting uh, to fine-tune how we apply capabilities to best support their needs. So really, really exciting stuff happening there. Uh, and then, you know, probably the last thing I'd throw out is just the ability to automate how we engage with patients. For a long time, uh, population health was done by, you know, huddling the, the care team, having a conversation about which patients we thought were most at risk, and putting that list together for a small group of care coordinators to make contact with. Well, those contacts still need to take place because at, at the end of the day, that's how we really engage with patients. But if we start to think about the extensibility of those precious resources to go out and touch patients, um, we need to contemplate as organizations what tools we could give those providers to extend their reach. And that's where things like automated outreach really come into play. Virtual checkups that ping patients through their preferred mode of communication uh, electronically so that they could check in with them in between scheduled visits. Um, and again, with automated outreach, making sure that patients are communicated with in a way that allows us to um, easily share with them that we're interested in re-engaging with them. They, we haven't seen them in the right amount of time. There's a gap in care related to their condition that we're interested in helping them close, and here's why. All those things allow our care teams to uh, have a greater impact with a larger population and really allow them to use the um, maybe trite expression, practice at the top of their license. Mm -hmm. 
you you've touched on a lot of things um that are sort of out there a ways you know in terms of uh not quite bleeding edge but you mentioned capitation social determinants of health and integrating that data um geospatial um using these new technologies not so new <laughs> text messaging and things to to uh get out and contact patients how what do you hear from the provider community are are many of them ready to begin to do that much or is that sort of still early stage for a lot of the providers yeah i'll go back to my bread and butter uh, comment a moment ago for most providers uh we're just still supporting basic quality reporting as part of our population health initiatives but in in groups that practice where there's a very mature managed care environment, for example, uh, those environments where there are progressive insurance companies driving more um, rich incentive programs around value-based care, they're getting, they're, they're really seeing the need to start to implement those capabilities today. And so, yeah, if you think about a normal bell curve, those folks mm -hmm. represent the 15% that are the avant-garde, that are getting into these high-risk contracts, really pushing their systems more uh, to get more out of them and assume more risk. Uh, the majority of our groups are still under the, uh, the, the rounded part of the dome on the curve, if you would. But, uh -huh. uh, but we're getting there, and we're seeing, you know, the conversations – are moving forward at a faster clip even than they were a year ago. That's and that's actually good to hear because um, you know we've been sort of hammering this point home for a couple of years now in Pop Health Week and talk about you know social determinants and the use of unique data sets and innovative ways to try to engage patients <clears throat> and others in their health. So to hear that you know a, a group of these providers now obviously it's no longer just a handful are actually taking a hold of this and and going that far out is really fascinating. So. Where does NextGen go in the next couple of years? What sort of things are you working on? Yeah, well, it's uh, as you can imagine from my comments a moment ago, uh -huh. it's uh, enabling these more robust capabilities uh, and building on them, right? Uh, so whereas something like Social Determinants of Health today, we enable our clients to uh, look at zip codes as an expression of risk cohort stratification, we hope to be adding more and different types of data, type, data sets into the mix that they could then run their analytics against. Uh, it's the ability to start to build out true patient engagement functionality that mm -hmm. allows us to in share some information that we have on patients with them to support their own decision support steps and processes as they think about how they're caring for themselves to submit data on their own care. We hear a lot about um, you know, patient-generated data as being of interest. We want to enable that capability. Um, starting to look at how we do both passive and active monitoring of patients in a way that doesn't overwhelm clinicians with too much noise, but lets us sort through that data in a way that expresses the appropriate alerts that, again, let us leverage our resources as uh, effectively as possible to care for the groups that we've signed up for their care around. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think, you know, the field's obviously growing rapidly. 
Um, there's so much population health can't be done without data. It's just important to get that stuff to flow through the system. Obviously, the more data, the better if your data is of high quality. And um, and also, I think it's, you know, the question is, particularly for providers, as you've touched upon quite a bit, is this idea that where you are in your cycle, in your life cycle of implementing population health really plays a key role in which pieces of data you need and how you need them, um, because you could certainly jump way out ahead and not have the resources to actually apply an intervention to some of that data if you pulled something, say, social determinants data, but you're not yet ready to intervene in that area. So really fascinating. Um, and just just finally, what where do you see population health in the last couple of seconds? Is, is it something, there's a question, is it going to survive? Is it going to be replaced? What's your feelings with that? Yeah, I definitely would say not replaced. And we're uh, looking forward to not only it surviving, but becoming more mainstream in American healthcare, uh, where the capabilities of population health that you know we just talked about as leading edge become the normal workflow of clinicians as they care for patients uh, in their normal routine, allowing them to really focus on the relationship that they have with their patients uh, without having to worry about the cumbersome aspects of the data management underneath how we well, that's all the great insights. That's fantastic. Thank you, Bruno, so much for joining us today and coming on Pop Health Week. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Fred, it's been my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. And there you have it. That'll have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our guest, Bruno Nardone, Senior Vice President of Solutions for Population Health at NextGen Healthcare for his time. You follow Bruno and NextGen Healthcare's work on the web via www.nextgen.com and on Twitter by at NextGen, respectively. And finally, if your hospital, health system, physician venture, or healthcare conference is in the market for social media support, including content development, curation, and engagement, ping me on Twitter via at the number two health guru or email greg with two g's at healthinnovationmedia.com. Fred and I will be happy to lend our subject matter expertise to your endeavors. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. <laughs>